Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide. Good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have our weekly look at grain markets. Canola is up and wheat is down for the week. But markets remain extremely volatile. Grain Growers of Canada unveil a greenhouse gas reduction plan for farmers. We look at ear tags, supply issues, problems with avian flu, a beef expo in Saskatoon, and winter kill of bees in Alberta. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Grain markets were volatile again this past week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo says canola gained $15 per tonne for the week, while spring wheat fell $0.12 a bushel. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front, May canola increased approximately $15 a tonne for the week, and the increase actually largely coming from today with the make contract up about $22 a tonne to approximately $11.52. On the Minneapolis wheat front, May Minneapolis wheat declined approximately 12 cents a bushel, would have been more before today. Uh, right now we're sitting up 10 cents a bushel at approximately 10.89. So as you mentioned, quite a volatile week, not to say that they aren't all volatile to tell you the truth. So yesterday there was a USDA plantings and quarterly green stocks report. So touching on that a little bit, how it affected canola in particular, it was quite a a bearish report when it came to soybeans with stocks up near the high end of trade expectations and planted area actually above the average estimate at a record high. So that uh, could be largely due to the fertilizer side of the market and what is going on. So soybeans had a pretty large decline yesterday. Today we're down another. 13 cents. So the soy complex was looking to be in an overbought position. So this might be uh, correcting it a little bit. And we did see soybean oil have a bit of a decline yesterday. Today we are up on, on the oil side of things, I think helping canola rally back higher. What impact has the war in Ukraine had on markets this week? Well, again, every day seems that there's new news coming out. So it, right now, mark, grain markets are getting more of the sense that things, tensions are starting to ease. More talks are happening. And again, this this week, I would say, was more about this USDA report. Um, with wheat, actually, the March 1st wheat stocks are the lowest since 2008. So that actually really spiked 
wheat markets with Chicago, Kansas, and Minneapolis all rallying yesterday. But you know, there are still the Russia-Ukraine conflict in place, and there's also some new crop yield uncertainties for China and U.S. So there are other, I would say, outside factors happening right now, with especially with the strength in the U.S. dollar. That's a bit of a bearish force just for all commodities. So what I'm kind of seeing right now is, again, a bit of a tug-and-war between a lot of different factors. But right now, it seems that, again, funds are, I would say, going with more of the technical trend-selling side of things. I, I believe right now, if you look at Chicago wheat charts, uh, we might have seen the highs potentially for this year now. Yeah, that follows through. What's the outlook next week and beyond? Well, next week, we're going to see again if traders do keep wanting to push these soy markets lower, soybeans, soybean oil, if it can reverse. And then we'll see if, if canola can follow it all. Again, I believe there is a floor under canola prices given the fundamental situation, but it, I don't believe it's immune to go down. I, I don't believe that farms do need to rush into hedging any of their new crop quite yet. I would actually be more concerned on the wheat front. So that's what I'm going to be talking about with clients next week is different new crop wheat hedging strategies. Adam Piccolo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial. This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca The federal government this week tabled its new emissions reduction plan as required under the net zero emissions law passed last year. It projects the oil and gas industry will need to cut greenhouse gas emissions by 42% by the end of the decade from current levels. In addition, there's a tougher schedule to move towards electric vehicles. The goal is to have 60% of new passenger vehicles battery-operated by the end of 2030. The latest statistics indicate that in 2019, Canada produced 730 million tons of CO2 emissions, or the equivalent of in other greenhouse gases such as methane and nitrous oxide. Agriculture accounts for about 10% of the total. The challenge will be to reduce that to net zero by the year 2050. The grain growers of Canada will be working with the federal government to meet those targets without affecting producer profitability. It proposes a path forward focusing on innovation, research and beneficial management practices. Brandon Leslie is the Grain Growers of Canada Manager of Policy and Government Relations. We know there's going to be a chapter on agriculture in that. We do represent a portion of emissions in this country, so we won't be the sole focus. But I think it's really important that farmers are able to speak government language when dealing with these issues. And at the end of the day, the Ottawa Knows Best approach isn't what's going to work for farmers. You know, there can be ideas that come out of this Ottawa bubble that, that just aren't applicable in the farm. So we, we feel that farmers are best placed to really talk about what can practically uh, be done, uh, what's achievable, what are additional ideas that might not have been thought of by government, and, you know, ultimately, we're going to need to protect the productivity of farmers and profitability of farmers. So I think the key of today is that farmers are not only at the table, we want to be on the leading edge of this conversation. Leslie says incentives will encourage the adaptation of carbon-reducing technologies and practices. 
Farmers are constantly embracing new technology, and that part of our story is a, is a proud history of constant sustainability. You know, year over year, farmers are always thinking about the next year, how to protect their land and water and pass on to the next generation. So sustainability is just always part of this. I think farmers have been acting sustainably far longer than that term has been around. But we do need to be forward-looking here. We need to recognize that, uh, like I said, whether we like it or not, government is going to be moving forward with policies and programs that are aimed at achieving that goal. And certainly over-regulation is, is not something that I think farmers certainly appreciate. And in- incentives are arguably a much better approach. So that's certainly going to be uh, a key piece of this uh, and trying to identify what those incentives need to be for adoption of, of new beneficial management practices or new technologies or, or, you know, whatever measures might be taken that that make sense on the ground that need to be driven by farmers. We need to really have a a strong grasp and government needs to have a strong grasp of what will work and what will not. And I would say incentives are absolutely a part of that. The first step is to find partners and establish a scientific advisory committee before getting into the fine details. We don't want this to be just a two-page document of here's some ideas, go do these government. I think there's a level of detail required. So over the next several months, we're going to be uh, working on that. We're going to be striking a an expert advisory body. So uh, we're hoping realistically towards the end of the year is when we're going to come out with a, what we hope to be a thorough list of recommendations and an earnest willingness to work with government in trying to pursue how best to implement a lot of these things. You know, these aren't simple programs and policies that are undertaken and they should be well thought out. You know, farmers uh, at times aren't always invited to that table early enough. And I think this shows that farmers are, are willing to do our parts. But at the end of the day, government has a role to play in this. They want farmers to take on certain uh, actions. We need to be involved. It's important that new technology be both cost effective and improve or at least not hurt production. Again, new technologies emerging as far as slow-release fertilizers, things like that, that are added a cost to farmers. It's a difficult pill to swallow to add a cost to do something that doesn't necessarily increase your yield. So I think it's a matter of putting hand-in-hand the productivity requirements for Canada to to feed itself uh, and a a growing world population, while simultaneously doing what's right for the environment and trying to reduce those emissions. And again, part of this project that we've just announced is looking at those, and and particularly from the perspective of a farmer. He or she knows knows best what is going to work on uh, his or her farm. There's such variability of a lot of these practices across the country. So a government's uh, countrywide approach, well, that's one thing, but we need to think about some of the regional tailoring required on some of these programs and think long and hard if it's if it's good for a farm's profitability in certain parts of the country or, or if it's not. How do we move forward with solutions that ultimately make sense for farmers, both in terms of their productivity, profitability, and emission reductions more broadly? That's Brandon Leslie with the Grain Growers of Canada talking about its Road to 2050 Net Zero Emissions Initiative. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bobeau had a positive reaction, retweeting the Grain Growers of Canada announcement. This is your RealAgriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Joined right now by Justin Funk of AgriStudies. I'm excited here for this conversation because we're, we're seeing an, an idea that we talked about here a couple weeks ago on the show really come to fruition. We, we did a short uh, survey on fertilizer supply to farmers across the country through our Real AgriStudies market research project. So the very first question we asked was whether they had their uh, spring 2022 fertilizer on the farm yet. And what we found is uh, 45% of farms said yes to that. And and that question alone, I I think, uh, drove a lot of other insights in terms of, well, how do they feel about a number of issues around 
uh, fertilizer sanctions or things like that. So that, that was the very first observation that we made is that, you know, it's not quite half, but, you know, 45% have their fertilizer already. And uh, 42% of them have been notified of a disruption by their retailer this spring. And, 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 and a part of that supply, like there's different things going on in different parts of the country because we, we did ask them in terms of what was the reason for that disruption. So if you, if you were told, yes, there's a disruption possibly in what your supply could be from the retail to the farm level, we asked what the reason for that was. What, what, did, what did that tell us? Yeah, predominantly it was sanctions on Russia. There were a few respondents that indicated it, it had to do with the rail strike or the U.S. river system or delays at Vancouver ports. But uh, for the most part, it, it had to do with the, uh, with the situation in Russia and Ukraine. Is there, is there anything that told us that there was like a, a, a pattern in terms of farm size, maybe, because we, we did, you know, there's some demographic information that comes with this. So this is where we really kind of get a little bit more into the weeds as we try to keep this high level. But farm size versus the amount of fertilizer you have on farm. Farm size has a direct relationship, it appears, to whether the farm has fertilizer or not. Uh, I, I've, in fact, never seen a clearer picture of a correlation ever in something that, that it, the larger you are, uh, the more likely it is uh, dramatically that you have fertilizer on the farm. And, and part of that might have to do with geography. We also found that uh, there's a greater proportion of farms in the east that do not have fertilizer on the farm than in the west, and, and that, that could influence the farm size. But uh, it's, it's clear as day that there is a relationship there, for sure. Yeah, that graph is amazing. Like, there's, there's nothing to speculate about. It's like, it is, you couldn't draw that. that that's like a textbook sort of correlation graph. It, it is. Yeah. I, any other differences, east versus west, uh, on this fertilizer supply matter that kind of stuck out to you? Probably one of the areas where we saw uh, differences was in terms of the farmer's opinion on sanctions and whether fertilizer should be sanctioned or how it should be sanctioned. And there might have been a little bit of a uh, difference there based on geography, but what we found is that there's uh, probably more of a difference on that based on age. Uh, And where we found that there's surprisingly little difference on it is based on their current position with fertilizer, whether they have it on the farm. I thought for sure that there would be a difference in opinion based on whether fertilizer should be sanctioned or not based on whether somebody has their their fertilizer yeah uh, I, there wasn't yeah there. yeah because what we saw there is that the younger you were the or sorry i should say the old the older that you were the more you felt like maybe the fertilizer should be sanctioned and so that that could speak to life experiences right where you, you've you've been through you know we use the you know the situation uh the the war in ukraine right now you you you've, you've been through the cold war and so maybe you're taking a, a bigger picture. There's a lot of questions to be asked there, but definitely young people thought that there should definitely not be any sanctions when it comes to the fertilizer coming into the country. Yeah, and just to put that into perspective, 18% of those between the ages of 35 and 44 said that all fertilizer should be sanctioned relative to 38% of those 65 and over or 36% of those 55 to 64. So you, you look at that, and that's almost double uh, the, the older you get, to me, that's, that speaks to something. 
This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Partly cloudy today, wind northwest 40 gusting to 60, the high plus 5, the low minus 11. Saturday, partly cloudy, winds up to 15 kilometers per hour, the high plus 5. Wind chill minus 16 in the morning. And for Saturday evening, rain or snow, the low minus 2. Sunday, sunny, the high 8. Monday, sunny, the high 14, the low 0. Tuesday, cloudy, 60% chance of showers and windy, the high plus 5. 70% chance of rain showers or flurries in the evening and the low minus 1. Wednesday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries and windy, the high plus 3. In the evening, 60% chance of rain showers or flurries, the low minus 4. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high 7. Normal high is 7 degrees. For this date, the normal low is minus 6. The sun rose at 6.35 this morning. It sets at 7.30 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now is Coronac in the south country at 8 degrees. The cold spot up north, Uranium City, minus 9. Estevan is 7. Saskatoon, 0. Swift Current, plus 5. Weyburn, plus 6. Yorkton is 0. In Regina, with cloudy skies, it's plus 3. That's 37 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the northwest at 44, gusting to 54. Humidity is 60%. The barometer rising, 101.1. Part the cloudy moose jaw plus 5, winds are from the west-northwest 48, gusting to 63. Once again, Regina cloudy and plus 3, that's 37 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan agriculture today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com and brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. Like many groups these days, the Canadian livestock industry is seeing interruptions in supply chains as producers are having trouble getting their hands on the many items needed to run their business. Among the items that are tough to access right now are ear tags. Reporter Cheryl Brooks spoke with Anne Brunette Burgess of the Canadian Cattle Identification Agency. It started late fall with one manufacturer as they had additional internal issues to address and now it seems to be catching up with all the manufacturers. So in terms of cattle tags in Canada, there are five approved manufacturers and also for sheep and bison, fewer but some of the same. And now it's, it's catching up to all sectors with these manufacturers unable to either acquire raw material, they've had some labor issues, and shipping, as you mentioned, and everything seems to be compounding to where we're at. What is happening essentially in Western Canada right now then? Do we have a supply whatsoever? Like what, what can farmers do? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's that's the message to retain here is there are tags out there. If anyone needs to transport animals, they have to be tagged to be compliant with regulations. 
and there are tags. They may not be at their favorite store. They may not be their favorite tags or the ones that they're used to. But if someone needs to move animals, there are tags. CCIA provides tags two ways to producers. One, directly from our web store. Tags are shipped directly to producers or through a network of dealers or retailers. There's about 650 across the country. So when we looked at inventory on hand, there's a fair bit within the dealer's network. But again, maybe some stores are more affected than others. When it comes to shipping directly, we do have a little bit of inventory on some products on hand within our web store. But the key is to place an order and then be in the queue. We receive inventory every week, maybe not as much as we would like, and maybe (laughs) not always from the manufacturers that we are hoping for the most because they're a little bit behind. But we do have some inventory on hand. And when a producer places an order on our website, they then become part of the queue. And when we do get inventory, we'll get to them and, and ship directly to the producers. That's Anne Brunette Burgess with the Canadian Cattle Identification Agency. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has placed a farm in Ontario under strict quarantine because of a case of bird flu. There have been outbreaks at commercial and non-commercial farms in Atlantic Canada in recent months. Ontario's Ministry of Agriculture says bird flu is not a threat to food safety when proper handling and cooking occur. The Executive Director of Chicken Farmers of Saskatchewan, Graham Snell, says there have been no cases of bird flu in this province so far. There is uh, zero in Saskatchewan. There hasn't been for many years, and uh, we don't expect any to make it this far. Are there any concerns about it coming here? I mean, it's, uh, it's always on the backs of the minds of our, you know, our office and our producers. But, uh, no, we, we keep track of other stuff. We have multiple meetings with uh, folks in Ontario and throughout the rest of the country. Um, we're always we're keeping, uh, you know, knowing what's going on, finding out what's happening, and making sure that our farms are safe. How worrisome is this among uh, chicken producers, poultry producers, like, and, and the fatality rate if you have it? Uh, I, I don't have the, the stats on the fatality rate, but of course it's, it's worrisome to producers and any kind of uh, disease or flu or anything that goes through any kind of livestock would be a concern to anybody. Uh, so I, I'm sorry, I do not have the fatality rate, but of course everyone's concerned and everybody is alert of it and, and watching out for it. Are there any extra biosecurity measures underway in Saskatchewan because of it, or is just just kind of it, it's been around for years and that's not a big concern? Nothing extra, but the programs in place, the biosecurity in place, and the animal safety and the animal welfare programs in place are already pretty stringent and extreme and to make sure there is nothing uh, out of the normal anyway. So we have real tough uh, animal concerns as it is, and so that make sure there's nothing else that can happen. Snell says there are 72 chicken farmers in Saskatchewan. The Saskatchewan Beef Expo is being held this weekend at Saskatoon Prairie Land Park. Prairie Land's agriculture manager, Leanne Hurlbert, says young producers will participate in seminars on Saturday, including one by Flat Top Cattle Company. Well, that's Tyler and Suzanne Smythe, and they are from the Swift Current area, and they're going to be talking to the kids about grooming. Um, they're going to 
have presentations about preparing their animal for the show and the, what they do ahead of time and everything they need to know about getting that animal um, looking its best for in the show ring. There will also be a showmanship demonstration and a seminar on record keeping and cost of production. The competition will be held Sunday with the Heifer Show at 10 a.m. This year's in the ring at noon. The Varroa mite is causing higher than expected losses for Alberta beekeepers. Connie Phillips says winter kill is averaging 30%, about twice the usual level. We think that we're seeing these high losses is due to a pest called Varroa destructor. It looks a bit like a little pig. It gets on the bee bodies and it feeds on the fat portion of the bee body. And then it weakens the bees and weakens the entire hive and can act like a vector for other things like viruses. Alberta is Canada's largest honey-producing province with 35 million pounds last year. Market Update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Purchase your all-weather windows with installation from Freeze Tallman before April 27th and you'll save 15%. Grain prices were showing upward movement in early trading today. Viterra prices for canola jumped 75.70 at 1107.52. Flax gained 39.36 at 1291.47. Yellow peas rose a dollar eighty-four at six thirty-nine sixty-six. Feed wheat went up one cent at three seventy-eight thirty. Number one red spring wheat increased five sixty-one at four seventy-seven forty-seven. The rest were unchanged. Durham five fifty-one sixteen. Feed barley three sixty-two fifty-four. Lentils nine oh two fifty. Oats five oh one fifty-three. At Minneapolis, May spring wheat rose eleven and a half cents at ten ninety-one a bushel. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moose 1125 at a pre-sort sale here on Tuesday. Light steers were stronger here again. The fleshy yearlings, though, they are being discounted. The cow market looked two to six stronger on these top-end high-yielding cows. 97 to a dollar four sales right up to a duck buck eight and fifty on the right kind. Medium hay-fed cows from 88 to 98. Here's what happened on Tuesday. We sold 61 red and black steers, 529. They they come from side boats, lake farms from south of Gladmar. They bring 261 and a quarter. 39, 6.39 weight red and black steers at 227 and a quarter. The 707 blacks at 208. Into the heifers, the 535 weight black heifers at 209 and a quarter. 686 weight blacks at 179 and a quarter. And the 754 blacks at 176 and 50. Next pre sorts here in a couple of weeks. This is Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 7,200 hogs Thursday, selling at a range of $225 to $240 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 5,200 head, selling at a range of $226 to $239 per CKG. 100 index hog prices for the week ending Saturday, April 2nd are Ole West 2020, 231.40, Ole West 2021, 234.10, Maple Leaf Sig 4, 226.20, Ham's Cash, 224.20, Thunder Creek Bricko, 224.01, High Life Cash and Contract, $240.53 per CKG. Ham's Cash Hog Price today is mixed and four contract prices opened higher this morning. On Thursday, the Canadian dollar is down 16 basis points with the daily exchange rate at 1.2496. Canadian dollar is currently trading at 79.92 cents US. 
Daily U.S. cash prices are mixed to finish the last marketing week in the first quarter of 2022, with the Western Corn Belt down $3.11 U.S. 100 weight, while the national-based formula variants are up by a penny relative to the previous day. The ever-volatile hand primal was up $19.88 in yesterday's afternoon cutout report, leading the net carcass higher by $4 compared to the previous day. Despite the move, cumulative net carcass value so far is trending lower than the previous week and is down $0.82. Cents. Regardless, the cutout price is the third highest on record, well above what would be considered average for this time of year. Reaction to the USDA Hogs and Pigs report released Wednesday afternoon saw Thursday futures initially higher at the open, but then saw pressure applied to the market as the trade progressed. The session marked one of the largest trading rates on record in some contracts with May, June, and July seeing swings of 7.225, 6.950, and $6.275 US 100 weight, respectively. Coming up, the resource report. Brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. Potash was front and centre on Premier Scott Moe's trade mission to Europe. His week-long trade mission to London and Germany wrapped up yesterday. Moe says Saskatchewan companies are committing to ramping up their production of potash in light of sanctions that have been imposed on Russian and Belarusian products. Moe says consumers are now asking themselves where are they purchasing their products from, why are they purchasing from them, and are they a trusted partner? And when you think of the answer to that question, Canada and Saskatchewan uh, rank very high, um, as high as any anywhere in the world, certainly higher in the case of potash, uranium, or agri-food products. Moe says Saskatchewan produces the most sustainable potash in the world, and the province needs to continue getting the message out. Premier Moe also says Saskatchewan has no limit on the number of refugees from Ukraine who want to come to the province. On the markets, the TSX is down 15 points to 21,874. The Dow has fallen 73 points to 34,604. Oil has dropped to $1.43 at $98.85 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is down 10 one-hundredths of a cent at 79.84 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.